you know, I've been in the business world. I've been in the ministry for 20-something years. I've walked with God. And, and, and really, I'm, I'm in, in this, on this level, man, I'm just hard to impress. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, I, I've seen all the things. I've, I, I've been in the, the big buildings. I've, I've seen all the, the things that, that men call great and call successful. And, man, it's just real hard for me to get worked up over those things. You know, it really is. You know, I've had the opportunity towards that success and the things of, you know, business or whatever else and, and heard the things that, that, that men can devise and conjure up. And, man, I'm just, I'm just real hard to impress on that side because I know that one day it says that even the elements will melt with fervent heat. So all these things that we build from this vantage point one day are going to be gone. And so for me, it's real hard for me to get worked up on this side in regards to things on this side. But if you think about those that have gone before us, and, you know, I, I believe to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. And I believe that when we're in the presence of the Lord, that He knows all things, He reveals all things. And, you know, we're not as we are, but when we see Him, we'll be as He is. And so I have to wonder, you know, we talk about who do, who do men say that he is. Let's twist that just a little bit. Who do you think those that have gone before us say that we are? What's those that see through the facade, they see through the veneer? What's their testimony of us now? What are those that are looking into God's creation through the eyes of the one that has enveloped them in his presence right now? What do they think about you? What do they think about me? What do they think about the things that we do and declare in his name? Are they in the slightest bit impressed? When they begin to see us past the things that we can create in the natural, and they look at the thoughts and the intents of our heart as revealed through Christ Jesus, what do they think about us? What kind of testimony do you want on that side? What are you living for? You know, I think about the Beatitudes. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, he's not talking about later on. He's talking about now. Do you see God? Do you see God in the midst of your anger or your fit? Do you see God in the midst of your unforgiveness? Do you see God when the, in, in, in the midst of your boasting and your pride? Do you see God in the midst of your unrighteousness? God's not in those things. None but the righteous shall see God. What's amazing about that, Pastor Sam, is it says that Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It means they'll have a wide-eyed amazement. Now think about that just for a second. Do you have a wide-eyed amazement towards the things of God? When you think about Him and your relationship with Him, is it, is it just amazing to you? You know, we sing the song, Amazing Grace. But, but think about the amazing aspect. We sing a song, I'm a friend of God. 
Who am I? It's all words from Scripture, folks. Who am I that He's mindful of me? And who am I that the God of the universe would just not flick me off of creation because of my fear, my doubt, my unrighteousness, my unbelief? Who am I? Man, aren't you amazed? Man, I want to walk and talk and live and have a testimony of one that has a wide-eyed amazement. But, folks, the only place that we can get to that place from is being pure in heart. The Scripture says the Spirit goes about looking for those that He can show Himself strong on behalf of whose hearts are perfect towards Him. Folks, how's your heart? What is the vantage point that you're looking at things in your life or in your circumstance? Are you looking at them through the temporal eyes of now? Or are you looking through them from the eyes that are on the other side of eternity? Because, folks, one day all of this is going to come to an end. Whether an end means next year, next month, ten years, five years, it'll come to an end. For those that have gone before us, it's already come to an end. Their experience on this place, millions and billions of people, regardless of when you think the end is, it's already happened for them. But do we, have we lost the place of having just that amazement of Him? Folks, what's the fruit of having wide-eyed amazement? Then it becomes that peace that passes understanding. It passes, it comes to that place of knowing that He's not just the author, but the finisher of your faith. It comes to that place of really having a revelation that He causes everything to work together for the good of those that love Him and are the called according to His purpose. That He who watches over us neither sleeps nor slumbers. And He watches over His Word in which to perform it. Now think about that. We sing the song, Holly. Lord, I'm amazed by You. Lord, I'm amazed by You. Lord, I'm amazed by You. How You love me. What's that next part, Joe? So what? So deep. How's it go? You paint the morning sky with miracles in mind. A miracle for who? For us. What's the next words go? My faith will always stand for you hold me in your hand. Lord, I'm amazed. I'm amazed. Come on, I'm amazed. Man, doesn't that just kind of change everything? It does for me. And, I, you know, I have to, I kind of have to remind myself of some of those things on, on a daily basis. You know, what, what is it? Let me just ask you a question tonight. What is it lately that has made God a little less amazing to you? Mm-mm-mm. What is it that has made His faithfulness and His righteousness and His care for you seem just a little less amazing? Would those that have gone before us, would they look into our lives and say, Man, your testimony is amazing. Your life, your heart, what you do in secret is amazing. Isn't that really what it comes down to? 
Father, tonight, in the precious name of your son, Jesus, in the precious name of your son, Jesus, Father, we need you to be amazing. We need to return, Lord God, to the place of the bright-eyed and the wide-eyed amazement. Father, there's, there are those in the body of Christ, Lord God, not, not just merely here, Lord God, but all over. Father, whose eyes have been gouged out, Lord God, by a hot poker of circumstance. Lord God, they've been blinded, Lord God, and scales, Lord God, of unbelief and fear, Lord God, have, have hindered their sight. Father, they can no longer see you as you are, Lord God. They've lost the God perspective on things. Father, tonight, Lord God, we need to move, Lord God, from a realm of seeing, Lord God, just in the temporal, Lord God, to begin to get a glimpse into the supernatural. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you are so much bigger than us tonight. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that I have a faith and reliance. Lord God, not upon those things that I can get my arms around, but by those things that are held within the span of your hand. So, Father, tonight, in the name of Jesus, we just bound up, bind up, Lord God, anything and everything. Lord God, that would cause our eyes, Lord God, to be cauterized, Lord God, by the heat of situations, Lord God. We pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you'd bring a clarity, Lord God, to our seeing. Father, the plan, the purpose that you have for us tonight. Father, even right now, Father, there be some in this assembly tonight that, Father, just piece by piece, Lord God, and Father, even as, 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 as that word is going forth, as you're speaking, Lord God, through your servant tonight, Father, some, Lord God, that have said in their heart, Lord God, what happened? How did I lose, Lord God, my wide-eyed amazement of you, Lord God? How did I lose, Father, my focus, Lord God, on those things that are above and not beneath? Father, be some here tonight, Lord God, that say, Father, I feel like my eyes have been scaled over. I feel like my heart, Lord God, is just... Father, lost the, the sensitivity that I, I once had of your presence. And Lord God, I just long for that place. Father, the adversary has come in with his subtleties. He's come in with his motivation, Lord God, to just to turn me ever so slightly, Lord God, off the, the course that you've laid before me. And Father, with his trickery, Lord God, with his deception, Father, I... I find myself, Lord God, absent, Lord God, from just being able to know you and to, to make you known, Lord God, to, to feel you, Lord God, to have that, that genuine manifestation, Lord God, within me. Apart from my circumstance or what I'm going through, Lord God, just a, an amazement, Lord God, that you love me, that you have a desire, Lord God, to fellowship and commune with me. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. That right now, that right now in this place, right now in this place, Lord God, 
that we'd just be amazed by you again. Once again, Lord God, let us be amazed by you. Jesus. Jesus. We're just going to wait. We're going to be patient tonight. Jesus. feel like the Spirit's just prompting me to say right now, if you've lost your amazement at the things of God, if you've just lost that place, maybe it came suddenly, maybe it comes subtly, but you know you've lost it, and you say, God, I need to get back to that place. But God, somehow along the way, the adversary has robbed me, Lord God. But Lord God, I, I need it back, Lord God. If that's you tonight, let's open up these altars to you and come and Say, God, I need to come back to that place, to that perspective of you that I, I know I once had. That, Lord God, I just have felt it and I've seen it diminish, Lord God. I can't put a finger on how, when, why, or where. But I know what's happened. Jesus. Paul the Apostle said in Ephesians chapter 1, he said, I don't cease to give thanks to you or mention you in my prayers. And here's the reason he was praying, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened to be made manifest, to illuminate that you might know what's the hope of his calling and what the riches of his glory of his inheritance in him in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Father, we just pray tonight, Lord God, that that prayer, Lord God, would be extended to us, that the wisdom of revelation and understanding of you in the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, Lord God, that you would just shine that light, Lord God, into those dark places. Father, that you would just cause wisdom and understanding, Lord God, to come upon our, our hearts and lives like never before, Lord God. We ask these things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you're praying, just keep praying. There's no rush on that. I'm just going to kind of continue this evening. But by all means, don't stop praying if you're pressing in. Let me ask you a question. How do you see God? How do you see Him? See, that sounds simple enough, doesn't it? But, but how do you see Him? And it goes back to that original question, who do men say that I am? Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that your father is? Kayla, here's my, my baby girl, 18 years old, going to 19, still a baby.
Let me ask you a question from your experience. Tell me a few things that I can't do. She's struggling to even give an answer. The splits, <laughs> yeah. When I was a cheerleader, I probably could. You know why that is? You know why she is struggling to find an answer? It's not because physically I can do anything. It's because of her relationship to me that she's struggling to say, you know, she has to pull something out like the splits, you know. Not only do I couldn't, but I probably wouldn't or shouldn't. Amen. But because of her relationship with her father, it's, she's hard-pressed to find something that daddy can't do. It should be hard to convince that there was something her dad could not do. Why? Because when she has a need, regardless of the circumstances, daddy in nearly 19 years has found a way to meet that need. Because daddy has been the relationship in her life that has demonstrated the way that we should look at our father. And so when you look at God and you ask God the question, God, what is it in my life that says you can't do it? What do we say? Well, for us, if the testimony of our life was any indication, man, we'd have a long list. Because everything that we worry about, we're saying God can't do it. Everything we fret about, we're saying, God, you do not have the power to do that. Every time we walk in unbelief towards God, every time we get stressed out, basically we're making a list in our heart that's saying, God, you can't fix that. God, that's out of your power. God, you're unconcerned about that. And so when the testimony of those that have gone before us look into your life and say, hey, tell me a few things that, that your God can't do. This might be him right now. It's actually not, but it's a friend of his, Pastor Terry. You can answer it. You know, folks, like I said before, if, the, if anything, if I could say it was my personal quest, it's that regaining that God perspective. And, you know, for that to happen in our life, you think about it, and I've talked about it before, you can go all the way back to the beginning when Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. And when he showed up, they didn't run for their lives. Ah! Until what? Until they sinned. And so sin affected their outlook on God. And sin, regardless of the sin, will always change our outlook on God. We don't like that. That's true. But when we move into unbelief, that means that our outlook on God has changed. We move into fear. It means that our outlook has changed. We move into to, uh, to unforgiveness. Our outlook has changed. Because when we're seeing our Father... Come here, Kayla. Face to face. And, and we're walking in that type of relationship with Him. What does it become? It becomes, listen, my daddy can do everything. I walk in to wake Kayla up in the morning or the afternoon or whenever she decides to get up. She doesn't start trembling in fear. She smiles at me and says, Hi, Daddy. I say, Baby, it's time to get up. Okay, Daddy, I'll get up in just a minute. Hour later, Daddy, I'll get up in just a minute. But she's not trembling in fear waiting on me to pounce on her and say, You're ignorant, you're foolish. No, she because of the relationship, right? 
But in her life, when there's been times that she's transgressed the desires of daddy, she wasn't as apt to come and to cling to me like that. Folks, it's the exact same thing with us. It says after Adam and Eve sinned that they hid from God. And when he came to them, what what, what did he say? He said, why are you hiding? And Tom, what was their answer? Because what? Because we're naked. Because we've been exposed. I love the follow-up answer. Question that, that God said. You remember what he asked him after that? Who told you you were naked? Sin told you that you were naked. Right? Because folks, they had always been naked. But because they had the right perspective, they didn't see the flesh... They saw God. Now, folks, for us, our nakedness... Now, what, what's, what's your nakedness? It's what? Being vulnerable, that's your nakedness. Maybe your nakedness is unforgiveness. Maybe your nakedness is jealousy. Maybe your nakedness is the, the refusal to, to confess sin. Maybe your nakedness is an addiction in your life. Maybe that's your nakedness. And so what are you constantly doing? You're constantly hiding in order that your nakedness will not be revealed. And what did it say that it took? They took something created and tried to hide their nakedness from the Creator. Now think about that for a minute. They took something created, fig leaves, when they sold them together, as though the person that created them would think that those had always been there. Now, how many times do you try to hide your nakedness behind your excuses? Folks, you've always been naked. But what makes the nakedness so obvious is your hiding. Because God has always seen the deficiencies in our lives... That's why He sent His Son, Jesus, to be the one and the only covering, something that was not created, something that was the Creator. The only thing that can cover our nakedness is not our own efforts, our own self-will, our own self-righteousness, nothing that we can create. Our ministries, our titles, our positions, our songs, none of those things can cover us. Our good intentions, our, our good works, the only thing that can cre- cover us, the creation, is the Creator. And so the Creator came, Emmanuel, God with us, and covered us with righteousness when we were only unrighteous. But folks, as long as you're hiding, as long as you're cowering, and try to cover it up with something besides the Creator, you're never going to have the right vantage point. You know, folks, situations that come into your life change your perspective on things. You know, Pastor Scott and I, just a few months ago, we, we walked where the, the, those fathers of old, spiritual fathers of old walked. Man, did it kind of mess up your perspective on things, Pastor Scott? You know, it did mine. I'm thinking we, we can flip to the Revelation and read about the, the city of Ephesus. But man, we've walked the city of Ephesus. We've preached in the city of Ephesus. 
You know, we can talk about Laodicea and, and all those things, but you know what? When, when other people talk about hot or cold, we, we've stood in that place and we've seen the mountains of Colossae that had the, the cold streams. We, we've seen the, the, the hot mineral water that, that poured in the city. We, we, we got, we, our perspective on it's different. But folks, when you go into a place like that and you walk those places, something begins to, to be altered about the way you see things. Because we can open that word and we can think about, okay, we hear it now, but folks, listen, in the perspective of time, that was 2,000 years ago. Which for us, you know, there's not many of us that are that old. But folks, in the scope of eternity, it's not even that long. So what are you cowering behind? You know, when you go in there and you see the the ancients, so to speak, and you look at the ornate nature of their architecture, it's amazing. You know, Pastor Scott, he's a carpenter. He's a skilled artisan. You know, he, he does things like that with his hands. But I think to myself, how did they do these things without the... The, the advent of modern technology, bulldozers, how did they do these, build these enormous structures? And they had aqueducts and they had hot and cold water. They're, they're, the, some of the structures were heated and cooled by this elaborate type of uh, 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 watering system that, was, that went underneath the houses. They had indoor plumbing. Folks, I had relatives in Mississippi not too many years ago that didn't have indoor plumbing. And we're talking about people 2,000 years ago that, that had it. You know, we, we think about running up to the store, and if we're over 15 minutes from Walmart, we think we're, we, there's no civilization anymore. And we might have thought that, but we read about the missionary journeys of, of Paul, and we, we think about when he went from Antioch to Ephesus. You know, for us, it took three days going through all these twisting roads and mountains and all along the Mediterranean Sea and, 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 and going through that rocky crag called the, the Mountains of Tarsus. And, and we did it 800 miles over three days at, 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 at speed. And here's a guy that walked it. Now, folks, we can pick up our Bible and we can look at the book of Acts. And for an average reader, it's going to take you about three hours to read the book of Acts. And so we read the book of Acts and we get in the start of it. It's talking about you'll receive power and we get the end of it. And we're all happy. and We see all these neat things that have happened. Folks, that's 30 years of history that you took in in three hours. Folks, you know the, the, the biggest thing in our life that changes our perspective on God? You know what our biggest enemy is? Yes, self. But what about self? Check this out. Y'all know this. James 1. Is that him again? As soon as you picked it up, it answered, by the way. <laughs> oh, you did. James 1, 1 through 4. Says this, it says, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, all the ones that have gone everywhere else. Now, how many of you really believe this second verse? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers of various types of temptations. Now, you know it, you can quote it, you've read it. But how many of you like to have to live it? Hmm, count it all joy. 
Look at verse 3. Knowing this, somebody say knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Now, what is, what is patience? Somebody give me a definition of patience. And don't name your children, Pastor. <laughs> what is patience? What's endurance? What's waiting? What do all those things fall into the category of? Long suffering. What does it fall into the category of? Huh? Fruits of the Spirit. How does that work? Okay. But all these other things too. How are these things? What category are those in? Huh? What? God's character? Come on. Waiting, endurance, time. Boy, he's a smart fella over there. Now think about that. All of those things fall into the category of time. So folks, why is it that sometimes our biggest struggles are those things that fall into the category of time? It's because we don't have the right perspective. Folks, see, God sits upon a throne that's positioned within eternity. Right? And so the reason we don't want to endure, you said endure, right? It's because endurance... Where's Heather at? Heather, you're an endurance runner, right? And so endurance is not 100 meters in 9.5 seconds, right? Endurance means sometimes I'm running for hours. And so what happens to the physical body, regardless of, of how good a shape you are, over the course of hours? It begins to break down. It begins to break down. And what happens is it breaks down. You have to literally will yourself beyond that breaking point. You've got to go beyond the wall. You've got to be, go beyond those places that you've gone before. And so whether it's patience, whether it's endurance whether it's long-suffering, all these things that we have, that's sometimes our biggest battle. Why? Because if I can keep you locked into a perspective of time, I've locked you into a perspective of the flesh. Think about that. If I can get you muddled up and committed, if I can get you in bondage to your time, I've got you in bondage to this world. Why do I say that? Because prior to creation, prior to Him setting a difference between day and night, there was no time. And when He comes again, you know what there's not going to be anymore? There's not going to be any time. That's why He says, set your affections on those things that are above, those things outside the realm of time and not on beneath. All those things, we're always waiting for something to happen. We're always looking at the clicking off of the minutes. I'll be there in a minute. Well, I wish I had time to pray. I wish I had time to read my word. I wish I had more time with my family. I wish I had, there was more hours in the day. I wish I got more rest. All of these things that cause us to struggle, all these things that hold us in bondage are all those things that, that are wrapped up in time. I threw my wristwatch away years ago. And if you've been into my discipleship, i got two rules. What is it? No excuses. No excuses, only answers. And the other one is we go by my watch, and I don't wear a watch. So what time is it? It's right now. What time is it? It's right now. 
What time is it? It's right now. Because if I'm always living in the right now, I don't have to be worried about what is. Exactly. It's always right now. It's always on time. I'm always exactly where I need to be at any given time. Why? Because I don't function within the parameters of those things. Why? Because if I am, I'm setting myself up for disappointment. God, you didn't answer that prayer when I expected you to. God, you didn't meet that need when I wanted you to. God, I had plans and something uh, uh, interfered with my plans. Well, I'm not functioning in that level, folks. Ain't that what he's saying to us? Folks, for us, we're always waiting on something to happen. One day, when I grow up, remember that? When I'm big as a kid, when I'm a big person, when I'm growing, I'm going to do this. Always waiting on something to happen. Well, honey, next year or next week, maybe next time, then we'll do something. Folks, God does not see those things as time ticking off. You know why He can write the front of the book and the end of the book and deliver them all at the same time? Because he sees everything right now. You hear me? He's not waiting for anything to happen. That's why he can say that he'll cause everything to work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to the purpose. Why? Because he's already seen everything. God doesn't see it as a movie reel that's playing out. And he's like sitting on the edge of his seat waiting, uh, biting his fingernails like some, something happened in a cliffhanger. God sees everything in a snapshot. It's all now. God saw the, the, the fall of Adam in the now. That's why Jesus was called the Lamb of God, slain what? Slain before the foundations of the world. Because He's saying, listen, my, my, my redemption is not tied to your time. My redemption was not tied to your failure. My blessings, my benefits are not tied to what you do. My benefits are tied to my plan and my purpose, which is beyond time. It goes in eternity. It's the, it's the all stretch of the imagination in every direction. All there is in eternity is right now. Behold. See, I didn't have to give you any more of that scripture, did I? All I had to say, you know how many beholds there are in the Bible? Behold what? Now is the accepted. Today is the day of salvation. That'll preach. That'll preach more than a sermon. That'll preach a life. Behold, now is my accepted time. When's your time? Right now. When's your time? Right now. When's your time for obedience? Right now. When's your time for forgiveness? Right now. When's your time for faith? Right now. When's your time for joy? Right now. When's your time to love your brother and your sister in Christ? Right now. When's your time, amen, to see the manifestation of the promise of God? Right now. Because all I have when I'm walking by faith in the God perspective, all I have is right now. Now, ten minutes from now in your clock is still my right now. Last week when you were stressed out, I was still living right now. A year from now, if the Lord should tarry, when something else is going on, all I got is right now. When they told you in four weeks, if you don't pay that mortgage up, you're going to be foreclosed on. I ain't worried about that right now because I'm living right now. Count it all joy when you fall into divers. We have wrecked the place. Knowing that the trying of your faith works patience, but let patience have her perfect 
work. Folks, if I can conquer the enemy of time, patience, that increment of time will have its perfect work. Because how many of you have waited for all these things to happen and never happen? Maybe if you'll just stop waiting on something to happen and start allowing the happening to occur, behold, now is the accepted time, you'll see the perfection that God has for you in the now. Another translation says, it says this, it says, I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers that are scattered abroad. He said, dear brothers and sisters, when trouble come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Your perspective on time changes. It grows. It's matured. So let it grow. For when your endurance is developed, you will be perfect and needing nothing. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various temptations. Overcoming the temptation of time. You only have five days before that late payment. You only have 30 days before that eviction. How much time? Right now. Ephesians 5, 14 through 16 says this. Man, I love this verse right here. It's three verses. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. How many of you need eight hours of sleep a night? Some, some people really need that. How many of you need 10 hours of sleep? How many of you would be happy with 12 hours? Okay, this is for you. Now that you've confessed... 5, 14 through 16. Wherefore, he says, who says? He says, awake you that sleep and arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Look at verse 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. You know where fear lives? In time. You know where unbelief lives? In time. You know where offenses live? They live in time. Because when eternity begins, none of those things will exist any longer. And so if I can redeem or claim back the time that I've given to an offense, that I've the time that I've given to the bad report, the time that I've given for sin, the time that I've given to any of those issues that come at me, if I can just redeem that time. How many times have you sit around and you've just meditated on things that people did to you? And as you meditated on those things, and, 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 and what started out as something so small, the longer you gave time to it, the bigger that it got in your mind. Come on. Boy, the more you just dwelt on it, boy, something that was so small over here, suddenly, not that this person didn't say hi to you, but that person's conjuring up images and that person's offended and all these things. All, and what gave life to those things was time. 
A husband and a wife. Some of you guys have been married as long as I have. You know what I'm talking about. The, the offense comes with time. Be angry, sin not. Neither let the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't give place to the devil. Where's that place at? That place is in time. That place, that offense occurs between the time of the transgression and until the time of dealing with it. And so how we deal within the scope of time is going to affect the outcome in regards to our faith. I've got to redeem my time. Look at Matthew 6, 33 and 34. Here's another familiar one. You know 33. You know Matthew 6, 33. What does it say? Seek first. What? Is there any time in the kingdom, Pastor Thomas? Okay, check this out. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek First, the timeless place of the presence of God and His righteousness. So when I live in the now, I'm positioning myself. Ephesians also tells us that we're seated with Him. Was Ephesians 2.6? We're seated with Him in heavenly places. We're actually seated with Him in faith in a place beyond the parameters of time. And so when I seek first the kingdom... To be seated with Him, what am I looking at? I'm looking at things in the now. And the now provides me an opportunity to live in righteousness. Therein is the righteousness of God revealed. We see that in Romans 1. From faith to faith, the just shall live by faith. Faith isn't determined by that time for the offense, the time for unforgiveness, the time for bitterness, the time for the bad report. Why? Because I've redeemed the time. God, you're the author and the finisher of my faith. You're the one that decides what happens with my time because I've redeemed it back, those areas that the adversary has the ability to function is, and I say no more. Behold, now is my accepted time. Then look at verse 34. Most people don't know it. They heard it. Do not take any thought for tomorrow. For what? It'll worry about itself. What's the end of it? Sufficient that day is the evil thereof. Folks, once I step out of the realm of now, I step into the realm of the evil thereof. Once I step out of the realm of the now by faith, I step into the dimension or the realm of the evil thereof. Because as long as I give the enemy all of that territory out there, he can, he can conjure up all these vain imaginations. Oh, if, some, if I do this, then that's going to happen. Oh, if this doesn't work out today, oh, that's going to happen. Oh, unless I get a job this week, oh, that's going to happen. Boy, if we eat these three eggs, we ain't going to be able to make a cake tomorrow if that's going to happen. Boy, if my kids don't get an education now, oh, this is going to happen. Well, what about right now? What about my right here today? That God will supply all of my needs according to His riches in where? In glory. Matthew 6.33. Through Christ Jesus who doesn't function in the limitations of time. And so as long as I'm not always dwelling in tomorrow, what's tomorrow going to do? Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. Tomorrow is not tomorrow. Tomorrow is my right now. 
My life is not built upon yesterday or the day after or six weeks from now. My life is about right now. Am I seeking Him right now? Am I praying right now? Am I being obedient right now? Am I walking in faith and the assurance of my salvation right now? 2 Corinthians 6 2. It's that verse. 2 Corinthians 6 2. Just quoted it. He said, I've heard you in a time accepted. Turn to it. 2 Corinthians 6 2. You've got you to see that for yourself. For he said, I have heard you in a time accepted. And in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Then he goes on to say, what? Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I have heard you in an accepted time. The accepted time for the follower of the Lord Jesus Christ is right now. Now, if I move outside the realm of the accepted time, I move into a place of rebellion. And the fruit of it is going to be unrighteousness. He said, but I have heard you in the accepted time. Folks, some of you are wondering, you're saying, man, I just struggle with praying and believing God. I struggle in faith. It's because you're not living and following Jesus in the accepted time. You're so worried about what's going to happen out there that you don't realize what God is doing right now. Are you promised another moment? How many times have you witnessed to somebody on the streets and they're saying, well, I'm going to do it next week? And how many times have you told them you're not promised next week? Life is but a vapor. It's here one moment and gone the next. Now we hear that from the world, but why is the church living like that? Why does the church have a next week testimony? Next week, righteousness. And next week, faithfulness. I don't know if I got next week. All I know that I have is right now. And so if I'm obedient right now, I can let tomorrow take care of itself. Here's another one. Hebrews 12.2. He's going to start dancing. When are you going to start dancing? Right now. Looking unto Jesus, the author... And the finisher who was of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now look at Hebrews 5, 8, 9. He said, though he were a son, yet he learned his obedience, there's that increment of time, by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect... He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey Him. He learned obedience. He learned through that increment of time that God had given him, that he, that he had came on a mission for us to redeem us. He learned through that the things which he suffered. And because he endured those things, he was perfected. And what became the author of eternal salvation of that which operates outside the realm of time? How many of you are going through some things? Big, small, little, big, indifferent, hard, easy. Everybody's going through something, right? 
Folks, the way that you go through those things, the way that you endure those things, the way that you look at the times in your life. What about Charles Dickens? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. But folks, at the end of the day, it's just time. That's all it is. Why? Because I'm not transfixed on time, whether the best of times or whether the worst of times. Why? Because all time is, is the time for me to count it all joy when I'm going through the test of time. How many of you have said, we're going through rough times? We're just going through hard times. Well, there's just some times that we're having to face. What are those for? Those things are to form you, to perfect you, Why? That you might be with Him in eternity, a place without time. Give you another scripture. I'm going to give you four. This is what I'm going to close with tonight. Job 19.2. Well, people get nervous when you turn to Job. Oh, man. Anybody but Job... Job 19.2. What did Job say? He said, How long will you vex my soul and break me into pieces with words? How many have ever thought that before? Psalm 13.1. Psalms 13.1. Yeah, I'll just read it. How long will you forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Jeremiah 4.14 How long shall your vain thoughts lodge within me? John 10.24 Then came the Jews, those religious people around about Him. They said, How long do you make us doubt? If you're Christ, just tell us plainly. How long? How long, how long, how long? I trust you, God, but how long do I have to trust you? I'm going to obey you, God, but how long do I have to endure? I'm willing to go through, but how long is it going to take? They're getting on my nerves, but how long do I have to put up with them? I don't feel real good. How long do I have to feel this way? How long? How long? How long? Until patience has its perfect work. How long till I live in the now? Until patience has its perfect work. How long till I get to that place of disconfidence in Him? Until patience has its perfect work. Why? He don't want us to be halt or divided between two opinions, folks. He doesn't. He don't want us to be transfixed on how long and deviate over to, oh, I trust you. Why? Because a double-minded... Man in all his ways. Tonight, folks, 
We've got to get God's perspective on time. We've got to be stop being controlled by those all those things as we call it, patience, tribulations, trial, endurance, all these things that we wrap up in that one little thing called time. And learn to live and believe right now. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. When? Right now. Man, I want to trust Him right now. I want to believe Him right now. I want to be obedient right now. I want to be found faithful right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, I pray for everyone, Lord God, here tonight and those that might be listening elsewhere. Father, we've got to have your perspective on now. Lord God, we can't keep putting off and looking towards tomorrow. Father, we've got to do it right now. Because we know what tomorrow holds. It holds the evil thereof. So, Father, when I pray for my brothers and sisters and myself tonight, Father, I pray that you would pull back that veneer. You'd pull back, Lord God, the, the, the blur of circumstance and situation. And, Father, cause us to look clearly, Lord God. Cause us to have a pure heart so we can see you, Lord God, once again with a wide-eyed amazement. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's be seated just for one second. I think we got a couple of announcements, perhaps.